You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. You know when a space has been designed with you in mind because you also know when it hasn't. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. Recently, I had a group of international students in the studio with me, and as we were wrapping up, one of them asked me to define curiosity. (laughs) Now, typically, that's my question of other people, and I managed to avoid getting pinned down myself, and I laughed, and I said, I'm intrigued by a lot of different definitions, which is part of what I find so fascinating about curiosity. But if they were really going to insist, I would go with this. Curiosity is a belief there is potential in the unknown. Or maybe now that I think of it, curiosity is acting on the belief that there is potential in the unknown. Some people describe curiosity as a behavior or a feeling, a state or a trait or a particular kind of brain activity. I think it lies somewhere between all of that in an optimistic dimension that allows for the idea that there's more out there, that what is unfamiliar or unknown to us harbors unrealized possibilities. And learning about that could be really good. So when I first met Ashley Goff, pastor of Arlington Presbyterian Church on Columbia Pike, and of her efforts to build a culture of possibility, I thought, Ooh, she is right up my alley. Ashley's been the pastor at Arlington Presbyterian Church since July 2018. She's ordained in the United Church of Christ and received her MDiv from Union Theological Seminary. She blogs at godofthesparrow.com, where she writes about the intersections of the Holy Spirit, liturgy, community organizing, justice, and congregational life. And she also happens to be a fan of Springsteen, beekeeping, urban farming, and vinyasa yoga. Built along Columbia Pike in 1908, Arlington Presbyterian Church survived a fire in the 20s, created the Rhonda Gilliam Clothing Bank in 1960, and has since joined Voice, an ecumenical, nonpartisan group of faith-filled communities wanting to make changes on social justice issues affecting the lives of low- and middle-income residents in four Northern Virginia jurisdictions. And in 2016, APC took that commitment a step further and sold its land to Arlington Partnership for Affordable Housing to create Gilliam Place, a 173-unit affordable housing apartment building developed by ABBA. APC now rents space in the first floor of Gilliam Place. Then in the spring of 2017, the congregation bought back part of the land that wasn't going to be used for affordable housing and created a sacred green space for their neighbors and community. Those decisions didn't come out of nowhere. They came from the congregation asking itself a lot of hard questions and going out into the community asking more questions and listening hard, making some choices they might not otherwise have made, and then asking still more questions. To me, this sounds a lot like Max Schein's concept of humble inquiry, 
of focusing on the importance of asking better questions and how questions can help us build better relationships. Shine, who was at the MIT Sloan School of Management for nearly 50 years, describes humble inquiry as putting our curiosity and interest in the other person first. It's about accessing our ignorance and asking for information in the least biased and threatening way possible. Asking, he writes, temporarily empowers the other person in the conversation and temporarily makes me vulnerable. It implies that the other person knows something that I need to or want to know. It draws the other person into the situation and into the driver's seat. To me, Arlington Presbyterian's church is a lovely, humble inquiry tale and offers a tantalizing curiosity conversation. Just how does a community use curiosity to create or recreate itself and its relationships? The first time I met Ashley Goff, we began to touch on this very question, and I was determined it would not be my last visit with her. So I'm delighted to have her with me today. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you, Lynn. It's great to have you here. Thank you for coming. It's great to be here. Thank you. So I'm going to start with your website, actually, which describes APC as creating itself together and as imagining a new way to be a faith community. So this Remarkable transformation started before your time. Mm -hmm. But tell us a little bit more about it. How did it start? And do you think they imagined this, <laughs> where you are now? No. <laughs> so the the birth of, of what is now Gilliam Place and where Arlington Presbyterian Church is now, it was a decade-long process. So mm -hmm. yes, obviously before I arrived on the scene. But it really started to come from the deep question of why do we exist? Mm -hmm. Why do we exist now as a congregation? And that question could have been answered in various ways along the history of the congregation. But in the here and now, at that moment, they were wondering why did we exist? And why do we exist for the sake of our neighbors? Right? Mm. So the, the downside of, of an institution is that it can exist for its own existence. Right. Which is fine, but as a as a religious community, if you are to exist for the sake of something other than you, what is that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what does that look like contextually in South Arlington? And so they were very clear about that, that they wanted to exist and thrive for the sake of South Arlington for Columbia Pike, mm -hmm. not for North Arlington, not for this the United States of America, but contextually very clear that they wanted to locate themselves in their neighborhood and exist for the and sake so of their neighborhood. how did they figure that out? The, the primary means was, I mean, you know, they did some processes and had some questions. and But really, for me, the, the heart of it was walking out into the neighborhood mm -hmm. and riding the buses and walking up and down Columbia Pike and talking to neighbors. They would set up a table on Saturday mornings in the parking lot of the church, which is was then right near a, a bus stop. And... They would just ask people about kind of what's going on, how's it going, um, and asking them about the obvious changes that have been happening along Columbia Pike around gentrification. Mm -hmm. And what it came down to was that what they were hearing consistently was that people couldn't afford to live in South Arlington and that they wanted to live and work in their same community mm -hmm. and to be able to live among family for those who had grown up in in South Arlington, they wanted to be able to stay. Uh, they wanted to continue their life in a community that meant a lot to them. 
and they couldn't do it because the cost of housing, the cost of housing and the, the fact that wages and salaries had not followed the trajectory of housing. Right. So people were making horrific choices around um, how to spend their money. Right. And, right? um, you know, do you have health care? Do you Where have and how they would live? And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So the church just felt very called, you know, so what it was is this humble curiosity that they were, these relationships and these conversations were then part of them, right? They're kind of, their DNA was now full of these, you know, the lovely neighbors who were having some heartbreaking experiences around how to live. So they felt, I mean, they will say they felt called by God to create, to do something of high impact around affordable housing. And they were clear that they weren't going to solve the crisis that still continues in Arlington County around affordable housing. So it wasn't for them to solve the crisis. It was for them to respond to this call in a way that would impact their kind of echolocation, right? Mm -hmm. Their their Mm -hmm. little patch of land on South Arlington. So uh, they began conversations and they ended up in a conversation with Arlington Partnership for Affordable Housing. And that was a partnership that they that that was a there was a lot of congruence in that partnership, and so they they just began that process uh, to imagine and then actually you know brick and mortar it what Gilliam Place could be. So you know it was uh, it was a long process, yeah. and uh, times it, I'm sure it felt very long. <laughs> times what felt where decisions were made quickly uh-huh. and there was a lot of pain yeah uh, there was a lot of pain in the process because um, it at some level and you you mentioned this when we spoke the first time that it it felt like it could have been the death of the congregation oh, yeah. right yeah um, they didn't know no what would become of them let alone whatever else they were gonna yeah. do right so in some ways I think I said this when when we met the first time that they 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 got curious about death mm-hmm. And what it would mean to die. And they were prepared for the congregation to end for the sake of leaving 173 affordable housing units on Columbia Pike. That was enough for them. They did not want to end, but they were willing to do that for the sake of their neighbors. And that for me was one of the draws of coming to the congregation was that they Yes, they wondered why do we exist, but they really, you know, this fact, this, these conversations and this trajectory of leading them into a place where they might not want to be, but they were willing to go there for Mm -hmm. the for the sake of a crisis. Mm -hmm. So I'm also just really struck at this idea of the of the sort of humble inquiry and accessing one's ignorance that helped make really smart moves. There's some poetry or irony or something yeah. in that. What mm-hmm. do you think? Well, when I hear the story told, yeah. uh, they they would make a decision and sometimes it wouldn't work. You know, then they realized it wasn't going to work. And yeah. then they would make another one and they realized it wasn't going to work. So they did. They just uh, – they had a lot of humility in, in the process that they, that they weren't the experts. They definitely aligned themselves yeah. with experts, which allowed them when a point came – where um, where there was a hard no, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that they were able then to not be defeated by that, but to kind of find a way around, not just around it, to, but another more fruitful way of, of uh, moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always 
kind of frame these things in the context of curiosity. But to me, that's a that's a curiosity practice in its own self of sort of remaining open to the possibility that yeah. one's made a bad decision and yeah. think how else might we do this mm-hmm. and, and a sort of a willingness to back up, mm-hmm. take the information you've got, get some more information and hopefully make a better decision rather than sort of doubling down yeah. on incomplete or inadequate. I won't call them wrong. I won't call them bad, but just, you know, not as good decisions yeah. as they could have made it so that ultimately it certainly from the outside looks as if the result was a lot of really good decisions, hard one. Yeah. It, it wasn't magic. Didn't come out of nowhere, as I mm-hmm. say, but I think that's very cool. Yeah. So one of the things that I also find really interesting about this, and I did an interview with uh, Perry Zern, professor at American University, and, and he talks about the importance of attending to those that are overlooked. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me as if a lot of what you were doing was specifically attending to what was being overlooked mm-hmm. in this process. Yeah. That's the root of the faith, yeah. right? I mean, as a religious, as religious people, as Christian people, that th- those are the stories that mm-hmm. we, you know, these two thousand year old stories that we have, biblical ones, that tell us where to point our energy and our time and our direction, and it is to people who appear disposable, who are treated as disposable, who um, appear to be voiceless yet have a voice, and so how you know the body, right? right? You know, so our work is then to discern and, and tend to how how do we show up and how do we advocate for and give voice to, but also how are we in solidarity with? Mm-hmm. So give us some examples, because I, you know, when I was there, you, you sort of showed me around and, and there was mm-hmm. evidence of some of those things, including this beautiful, beautiful wallpaper that you have. Uh-huh. Um, but but share some of the examples of how you've made that real the solidarity work in yeah, the space or just or paying attention to things that might otherwise be overlooked or get overlooked elsewhere oh well i think the the primary work that we do is every sunday is in liturgy mm-hmm. the worship what what you might hear so at 11 a.m. every Sunday, uh, liturgy in Greek means the work of the people. So we do that work together, right? We sing the songs together. We pray together. We hear scripture together. But, uh, you know, it's not up to me as the pastor or it's not up to Abby, our minister of music, to just sing the songs. This isn't a performance, right? right. So it's not a spectator sport. So the work then of liturgy is how do we train ourselves to to notice and observe and to also pay attention to how we, um, for those of us who are white, who are middle upper class, how how are we showing up in the world, mm-hmm. in our neighborhood, in South Arlington, in two 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 o four, that has an incredible representation of people of creation. Um, so that's our that is our consistent discipline that we have, and then the work uh, for us in our build out was how do we shape a space yeah. that actually that invites. That. And, and says that as a statement, right? So, uh, so, so how that, do we do that? How do we do that? <laughs> <laughs> well, we worked with the Garrett Group, an uh, architect firm in North Arlington. You know, it was incredible intentionality about shape and color and uh, the multi-senses. So the, so the thought was to pay attention, you know, how does the body show up in a, in a church space, like literally the physical body? And, and who do we... Who who do we expect to be there? Well, we expect 
everybody, right? But what does that mean then for how the shape, how how our shape, our physical space is shaped to tell the tell someone, tell a community that we we expected you to be here, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. you have single use bathrooms mm-hmm. because we we want and we expect our trans and non-binary friends and neighbors to be there. And we need to have an intentional welcome. So if you're going to do a build out, build out these days, you have single use bathrooms, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that also it means that the parent with the kids, that we, you know, we have a high low sink for the smaller body, right? It just means then that the body has been represented in the space. And historically, at least in what the Western white church, the body has been centered around a man mm-hmm. and the size of a man. So, I mean, there are pulpits I physically don't even fit in because they were made for someone right. eight inches. Because you're not a tall I'm, person. I'm not a tall person. <laughs> so how, you know, it's not about accommodation. It is about giving witness yeah. that we are a community of representation, right? That we, we re- represent creation and the uniqueness of people who walk in here into this space. Or and, don't walk. Or don't walk. Right. Exactly. Excuse me. I think come into our space so then how right so that is an immediate welcome and for those whose bodies have been ignored or uh, rejected or harmed by the church you know Mm -hmm. when a space has been designed with you in mind Mm -hmm. because you also know when it hasn't Mm -hmm. and you know what that feels like in your body you know that's the incarnation right for us it's the flesh made made real so we just did a lot of work, and you know, and it's pretty hard when you're looking at paper and you're imagining what the space is going to be yeah, like. Yeah. So. so you've written about creating and valuing relational experience or meetings and kind mm-hmm. of using the, right. a lot of one-on-one conversations. Yep. That's how we met. It's mm-hmm. a one-on-one conversation, right? This seems like a lovely curiosity practice, and it feels as if you probably use this tool for the place and the space. And I... I use those in somewhat interchangeable but but elastic ways because mm-hmm. I think the the place and the space overlap but they mean different things. Talk about this relational approach mm-hmm. which also seems to me to be so based in a curiosity one-on-one. Yeah, right. So biblically Jesus was an incredibly relational human being. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was born of relationships, of the incarnate, right? This is how God represented God's self at that time, mm-hmm. was through uh, this man named Jesus. So if I follow those stories, if I stay close to those stories, along with the stories of uh, the Hebrew narratives, then I see that this all gets worked out through relationships. And it's not just my head and it's not just me thinking. It is, or through theories, which I I love, (laughs) but ultimately it is through the interaction of of people with, you know, within creation. So there's no way around that. Uh Um, So if I'm going to follow those stories and stay close to those stories and and loyal to those stories in a way and watch how those stories of relationships disrupt patterns of harm and hurt and how they create ways of healing and well-being, you know, that's my job. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. literally my job. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so I've been trained in the industrial areas foundation, community organizing, the, the ways of the IAF. Yeah. And like many community organizing ways, you start with the one-on-one relationship. Yeah. That is the basis of, uh, of building a, an organizing movement uh, is, is is from those relationships. And so is that foundational to a culture of possibility? Oh, absolutely. Because it, it's not about us, ima- you know, saying, well, this is what we think we know, right? Mm-hmm. So since I started Arlington, I've done, you know, I don't even know what the number is. It's like over 130 one-on-ones with mm-hmm. people around the, you know, around the county. And each one leads me to someone else, right? right? So this is how I am here with you. So yeah, it just it Bill, it's a it's a never it is it's just never ending possibility. And just when I think like not that I think I'm done with one on ones, but like oh yeah, I think I you know I got a lot of information. You know, I meet you, I meet someone else, <laughs> and I'm like I just like I just want to keep going, right? Because the yeah. the creativity that is in South Arlington, that is in Arlington County, is yeah. profound. Yeah. And so uh, an email is not going to cut it, right? Uh, even a phone call is fine, but it's incredibly life-giving. And it f- then it continues for the church to form our work, not just through me, but it forms the work and how we continue to be and exist through the lives, right, of our neighbors. Yeah, yeah, staying in intention. I want to circle back on something you mentioned because it was, for me, uh, notable when I when I visited, I'm really interested in soundscapes mm. and paying attention to being curious about the particular sounds around us that, in combination, give a place kind of a fingerprint, a mm-hmm. soundscape of its own. And I'm, you know, what those sounds are and who the people are behind those sounds. And you have a minister of music, yeah. Abby Madden, who mm-hmm. you mentioned, and a big emphasis on music. How would you describe APC's soundscape? Oh, well, we created our worship space. Uh, I mean, there was a lots of intention in the worship space, but one thing I said to our architects um, was that the primary sound in the community, uh, the primary instrument of the community, is is the voices of the congregation. So we we don't have an organ, we have a piano, um, but the primary instrument isn't a musical instrument is us. And so the space needed to be created sound wise in order to just amplify the voices of us. Right. So for particularly people whose voices have not been amplified have not room has not made for their amplification, how do we create a space where you can seriously hear and feel your own voice? Mm-hmm. And then in the collective, the room just illuminates right? that sound. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the drive to, find Abby, (laughs) which was to bring someone in who could create community, use sound and use music to create community. So it's not a performance, right? When we do music, you know, Abby's doing acapella, we're doing congregational singing, we're singing out of our hymnal, which has the the hymns of of the tradition. Um, And so how do we blend those um, and mold those together to create a sound that that builds us, that creates us in, uh, as a community, and then also inspires us, right, to go and, and to be beyond the walls. So so part of Abby's job description is, uh, you know, I tell Abby, go find the sound in the neighborhood, right? So Abby's doing one-on-ones oh, too, nice. right? So go find the sound, take us to the sound, bring the sound back. What What is it? <laughs> uh-huh. But uh-huh. Um, find the sound. 
You know, there's a radio show in that. There's really? totally a radio yeah. show in that. You should have Abby on the show. Uh, maybe. Or yeah. Abby should have a show. Abby should have I'm her own saying. show. Abby. Abby. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So if people want to learn more, where can they go? Where can they find you? We are at 918 South Lincoln Street uh, on what is Suite 1 in Gilliam Place. We're on the entry level of Gilliam Place. Um which is at the corner of Lincoln Street and Columbia Pike. So I tell people we are across from the Wendy's. Um, <laughs> our sign is not yet up due to a delay with... Uh, Actually, the mm-hmm. across from the Wendy's is a useful signpost. That's exactly how I knew I was I in the right place. Yeah, well, and Wendy's just got renovated too. So uh-huh. it's an upgrade. Uh-huh. All of us. You know, we worship on Sundays at 11 a.m. every Sunday. And so that is a primary place to find us. And a website? ArlingtonPresbyterian.org. Great, great. Now, before... I let you go. I have this big jar of wannabe analogies. Are you yes, kidding? I am. Okay. All right. So reach in. Mm-hmm. Take a slip, and we're each going to make okay. whoops an analogy to curiosity. I'm going to take one for the audience, and you can go first. I can go first. Whatever you prefer. Pogo stick. Ah. How is a pogo stick like curiosity? Oh, so much unpredictability. <laughs> There you go. Uh, there's there a lot go. of tr- – well, I'm imagining myself on a pogo stick um, that – well, one, you got to want to get on a pogo stick. And I would probably look pretty foolish on a pogo stick. So i am got to be willing to uh, fall mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. figure out the right – be curious about the surface that I'm on. What's the best service for a pogo stick? Do I need to have a hand against the wall? Anyway, how do I support myself on a pogo stick? Um, and, you know, what's the general not being attached to the outcome of what is happening on the pogo stick? Oh, so nice. Pogo stick and curiosity as adventure. I like it. I like it. So mine is sunrise. How is curiosity like a sunrise? Well, I think it's... Um, it's the dawn of something new. Mm-hmm. I think it brings light. I think it adds color. And uh, it's often, um, you know, sometimes we sleep through sunrise. And I think sometimes we sleep through our curiosities. Mm. And we ought not. Um, sunrise is a pretty nice time of day, actually, <laughs> she says as a morning person. <laughs> and audience, um Yours is uh, a piano. Abby, this one's for you. How is curiosity like a piano? Let us know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. Um, How is curiosity like a piano? Well, Ashley, thank you so much for this. And I guess we need to keep talking. Yes. Thank you, Lynn. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up with this or any of the other great shows here on Radio Arlington, check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. If you like what you've heard here or just value the free and independent expression of ideas, I hope you'll consider supporting Arlington Independent Media with a donation at WERA.FM. Again, you can hear all my previous shows where you find your podcasts and on my website at choosetobecurious.com. I hope you follow me there and on Facebook and Twitter at choose number two, letter B, curious. Don't forget to send us your piano analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Ashley Goff. Check out our links to APC and Gilliam House on my website. Thanks, too, to Jackie Stephen for encouraging our curiosity mm-hmm. conversation. Our theme music is by Sean Ballack, and this is Turning to You by Landsman's Duet via Blue Dot Sessions. So, 
How might curiosity help you build a culture of possibility wherever you are? I hope you'll join me again next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious is provided in part by Concentric Private Wealth, where changemakers develop clarity for today and confidence for tomorrow by centering on what matters most, which involves more than just money. More information at www.concentricpw.com. Advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, a registered investment advisor. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.